Hi, and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Um, You know, Easter is a very special time for me. I've been coming to this church for 20 years. And I think it's the first Easter Sunday that we're having water baptisms. My son, who's been on a journey... We, we teach our children about Jesus and we talk to them about the Bible um, just about every night and we pray with them and we talk to them about Jesus. We speak over their lives and say, you're Jesus' kids. You belong to Him. And he turned to me um, in the first service and says, Daddy, I want to get water baptised. Isn't that amazing? Somebody use that as an opportunity to invite my family. What an opportunity we have this Easter to invite our families. Do you know, growing up, as an ethnic boy, Easter uh, has so many fun traditions. It's a big deal in a Greek home. But one of the things that stood out to me at Easter time was, even though as a teenager I wasn't walking with God, I was probably most open to God and the things of God around Easter. Because there's something about the cross that draws me to Jesus. And what an opportunity we have to invite our friends and our family who are yet to encounter the love of Jesus this Easter. Jesus said, don't say four months and then comes a harvest. He says, I tell you, lift up your eyes, look at the fields, they are white for harvest. Do you know what that means? That means... There are people in our world who are closer to making a decision to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour than we think. And if you look at my own life, as a 15-year-old, you looked at the way I lived, the way I acted, the way I spoke, you'd think, this dude's on a journey. This dude's got four months, eight months, 12 months, maybe a few years before he makes the decision for Jesus. I'll just pray. I will just pray about that one. I'll just sit on that one. But in reality... I was closer to making a decision for Jesus than you think. And so, of course, Easter would come and Easter would go and I'd go about living the way that I would always live without God. But I was brought up to believe in God. I was brought up to respect God, but I didn't know Him personally. There's a difference between knowing that someone exists and actually meeting them and getting to know them personally. But one of the things I would do is I would pray. I would pray. And late last year, the Lord began to show me that there are many people in this world who pray that don't yet know Him. And He wants to reach them. There is a character in the Bible that identifies with this. There is. And we're going to look at it this morning in Acts chapter 10. His name is Cornelius and he's an Italian. How many Italians we got in the house this morning? Oh, beautiful, lots. Wow, may, our, may your tribe increase. I'm, I'm Greek, next door neighbours, same but different. Different but same, is that right? Yeah. All right, let's go. Acts 10, 1 to 6. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. 
he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the tanner whose house is by the sea. An angel appears to Cornelius and he shows him two things. He says, your prayers have been accepted by God and your generosity has been accepted by God. But there was one thing Cornelius had to do. Because even though God had accepted his prayers, even though God had accepted his generosity, God wanted him. The Bible says that to all who receive Jesus, to all who believe in His Name, He gives the right to become children of God. You receive Jesus, you're welcomed into the family of God. Whoever has a son has life. Whoever rejects a son won't see life. Comes down to what we do with Jesus. And so God calls for Simon, who is called Peter, and he is commissioned to go and share with Cornelius the good news. Let's continue the story in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 16. Are you all okay this morning? Are you happy? Isn't it good to be in church? I love it. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheep was taken back to heaven. God shows Peter a vision that is so significant. It's so significant. He shows it to him three times. And that vision is still impacting us today. You're going to see how that unfolds in a while's time. But in the Jewish mind, there were certain animals under the Old Covenant, if you read the Old Testament, that the Jews were prohibited by God to eat. They couldn't consume them. And so here's God speaking to Peter, a Jewish man, and He says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Hence Peter's response. What was God doing? He was showing Peter that the old covenant has been fulfilled and the new covenant has arrived. So now Peter, the Jewish man, is free to eat not only those foods, but to eat with non-Jewish people because up to that point, Primarily the Jews and the non-Jews didn't mix. Hence why the Gospel hadn't yet gone to the non-Jewish people. But there was a change happening. Don't you just love the Gospel? Don't you love it? Do you know what I love about the Gospel? It brings people together. It cuts across cultural barriers and brings people together. Let's not get so caught up in our Christian circles and forget that there is a world out there crying out for a Saviour, looking for love in all the wrong places when we have the answer. Yeah. 
The Bible says that it's not in God's will that any perish, but all come to a knowledge of the truth. It's not in His will. It's not in His will that any perish, but that all come to a knowledge of the truth. And where there is a will, there is an inheritance to be received. There is an inheritance to be taken possession of. It's like this. Let's say uh, all of you in this room, I put you all in my will. You're all in it, right? Just an illustration, calm down. You'll all probably get about five cents each. Let's say you're all in my will. Well, you actually don't have access to your inheritance till I die, right? Well, as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. Have a look at this, Hebrews 9, 16 and 17. In the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while the one who made it is living. Jesus Christ died. He rose from the dead and He gave us an inheritance to possess. And for those of us who have received Jesus Christ, we have received that inheritance. Isn't that good? And that inheritance is eternal life. Eternal life in the Greek is eonios zoe. And eonios zoe means life with God here, in relationship here and now, and in the life to come. It's all inclusive. And, and, and we have received an inheritance that will never perish, spoil or fade, the Bible says. Our treasure is in heaven, but how does it affect the here and now? Do you want to know? No one wants to know, just me. Do you want to know? First point, we need to understand what we have inherited. I struggled for the first 13 years of my life with guilt and condemnation. Sorry, first 13 years of my Christian life with guilt and condemnation. I knew I'd received Jesus Christ. I knew I had received eternal life. I knew I was going to heaven, but I still battled with guilt and condemnation. It was a serious issue because it immobilised me in the purposes of God. I so desperately wanted to serve God with all of my heart. I wanted to tell people about Him. And every time I did, most of the time would be out of guilt and condemnation. And people can tell when you're you're sharing out of guilt, they can tell, they know. And so I had to learn what I had inherited. Let's have a look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 and 17. God is speaking of the new covenant. This is the covenant that I will make With them after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds, I will write them. Then he adds, their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Do you know what that means? That means your sins, past, present and future have been completely forgiven. We say that. We say past, present and future to try and comprehend how forgiven we are because we are time bound, but God isn't. 
God is not time bound. So when God speaks, He speaks from eternity. So when He says, your sins and lawless deeds, I remember no more. He's saying it from an eternal perspective. That means it has an eternal result. That's good news. It gets me excited. I'm spitting everywhere. Sorry, you're gonna have to clean this stage up. Um, it's all right, I'm good. Do you know, um, one of the questions, if there's one question I get asked the most when I teach right believing, it's this. It's, Con, if you tell people their sins, past, present and future are forgiven completely, will that make them want to go out and sin like crazy? And this is how I answer it. I said, well, first of all, it's not me who said it. God says it. I'm just His delivery boy. Second of all, wanting to go out and sin like crazy once you've discovered that you're eternally forgiven has not been my experience. And I came to a point where I asked the question, what really is the biblical response? What is the end goal to this truth that we're completely forgiven? What is the biblical experience? What is the biblical response? And you know, there's a story in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus goes to the home of a Pharisee named Simon. He's a religious dude. And Simon invites Jesus to his house and Jesus sits down to recline. And a woman comes in and she falls at his feet and she starts crying, wiping his feet with her tears, uh, washing his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. Simon notices it and he says, if this woman, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of a woman this is that is touching him because she's a sinner. And I love the way Jesus responds. He says, Simon, I have something to say to you. A man had, a creditor had two debtors. One owed him just under two months wages. The other owed him just under two years wages. And when the creditor saw that both lacked means to pay, he freely, he freely forgave both of them. Now, which one will love him more? And Simon answers, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven more. And you know what Jesus said? He says, you have judged correctly. And then he turns to the woman and he's still talking to Simon. Now, I did this in the first service and I turned my back to this, this crew. So I'm giving you a bit of love this morning. Okay, love you guys, no offence. Just an illustration, okay? So he's, he, he turns to the woman and he's talking to Simon. He says, do you see this woman? I came to your house. You gave me no water for my feet. Again, dirt roads. If you're gonna be hospitable towards someone in those days, you provide water for their feet, right? He says, you gave me no water for my feet. But this woman has washed my feet with her hair, uh, with her tears and, and wiped them with the hair of her head. He said, you gave me no kiss, but ever since I came here, this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. He says, you gave me no oil to anoint my head, but this woman has not stopped, has, has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. And he says, I tell you the truth, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much. But those who are forgiven little, love little. What's he saying? 
He is saying that your apprehension of how forgiven you are will lead you to a place where your worship is extravagant towards Jesus, where you come into the house of God and you begin to sing and you begin to pour the oil of your worship on His feet and you are not afraid to be vulnerable before Him and you are not afraid to fall in love with Him time and time and time again because He has forgiven your sin, past, present and future. That is the end goal. And when you are in love with Jesus, you want others to fall in love with Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Which brings us to our second point. The second point is this. It's we need to lead others to their inheritance. I uh, am one of eight grandkids. And uh, my grandma, when she was alive, would unashamedly say this in front of my parents, in front of my sisters and brother, in front of my cousins, everyone. She says, and they didn't mind, they think it's funny, by the way. She says, I have eight grandkids. I love them all, but Con, I love the most. I was unapologetically, unashamedly her favourite. And you know, uh, shortly after her 80th birthday, I remember going for a walk with her and you know, when, I don't know about you, but I often think when people have lived out most of their life, they've got to be thinking about eternity more than the average person. And so I asked her this question. I said, do you think about what happens after this life? Do you ever think about where you're going to go? And she, she says, I do. And then I asked her this, are you confident that you're going to heaven and you're going to be with Jesus? And she says, I don't know, I hope so. And right there and there, I began to share with her the inheritance that is to be possessed. The inheritance that was there for the taking in that moment. And I said, well, Jesus came, died on a cross, bore your judgment, bore your sin, so you could be confident and sure that when you pass from this life, you're going to be in heaven with Him. Would you like to receive him? Would you like to pray a prayer and ask him into your heart? And she says, yes, I would. I said, well, let's pray. And right there and there, I led her to the feet of Jesus. Five years later, she passed from life into eternity to, at the sound of my voice on her deathbed. It was such a powerful moment. And I knew in that moment that she had gone straight into the arms of Jesus. The love of Jesus is so compelling. When it takes a hold of you, you just can't keep it to yourself. Let's have a look at a scripture. So you think I'm not making this up. Okay. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 19. Either way, Christ's love controls us since we believe that Christ died for all. We also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. And all this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. 
And God has given us this task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting people's sins against them. Do you know why? Because every single sin of all humanity was counted in the body of Jesus Christ at the cross. We have the greatest news on the planet. Brings us to our third and final point. Yes, we need to pray, but we also need to invite. We need to pray for our field of faith, but we also need to invite. Well, what if they say no, Con? What if they got plans? Send them a link. I'm sending links out all the time to clients, to friends, to family. We've got that option now. But what a great opportunity to bring. You know, uh, Peter eventually goes to the home of Cornelius and uh, the Bible says that Cornelius had invited his friends and his relatives. The house was full. Do you know what I love about that? It's a picture of the Gentile church. It's a picture of the non-Jewish church. It's a picture of us. And Peter goes into Cornelius' house and he begins to preach Jesus to him. You ready to land it? Let's go to Acts chapter, Acts chapter 10, 42 and 44. This is Peter speaking about Jesus. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. While Peter was speaking these words, what words was Peter speaking? Those who receive Jesus Christ will receive remission of sins. Remission in Greek is complete and total forgiveness. The moment he says that, the moment he said that, the Holy Spirit fell. He fell. The Greek word for fell is a Greek word epipipto. And epipipto means to embrace with affection. Isn't that beautiful? He wants to embrace our friends and our loved ones and even us with affection. It's the same word that is used in the story of the prodigal son. A father had two sons. One of them runs off, takes inheritance, just runs off, squanders everything. And he's in a mess and he's lost. And when he decides to come back to the father on his way, the Bible says that when the father saw him from a distance, he ran and he fell on his neck, fell, he embraced him with affection and he kissed him. In the Greek, that kiss there is plural. He kissed him repeatedly. Do you know why? Because when you love someone, one kiss is not enough. He kissed him repeatedly. It's one of the very few times in Scripture that you see God portrayed as being in a hurry. Do you know why? Because, because it's concerning our soul. 
It's concerning the souls of lost people. I don't know where you are this morning on your journey, but I know this, the Father wants to embrace you. He wants to lavish His love on you. He wants to put His arms around you and kiss you repeatedly. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed all across this place, In a moment's time, we're going to pray a prayer. And it's simply a prayer where you say in your heart, you know what? I'm coming home. I want to experience the Father's love. I want to experience His embrace. I want to know that my sins are completely forgiven. And I'm coming home this morning. If that's you, We're going to pray this by way of encouragement. But if that's you, I want you to especially pray this. This is a moment between you and the Father. And so you need to block out all distractions and just come to Him as you are. With every head bowed and every eye closed all across this place, why don't you repeat these words after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that You are the Son of God. You came to earth. You died for me. And I believe you rose from the dead. And from my heart, with my mouth, I confess you as Lord and Saviour. I'm coming home into your arms. Receive me, Father. In Jesus' Name, Amen. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, in a moment's time, I'm just going to get you to give me a wave. The reason why I'm going to do that is so that we can encourage you on your next steps. We want to give you something to take away that will equip you in your walk with Jesus. If you prayed that prayer this morning for the first time or for the first time in a long time and you meant it, why don't you give me a wave right now? Awesome. Awesome. Lord, I just want to thank You so much for every single person that has made a decision this morning to run into Your arms. Lord, whether it's for the first time or whether they're simply coming to You as Your child to receive a fresh touch from You, I pray, Lord, that they would encounter Your love right now. Church, when we all stand, we're going to sing to Jesus. That's good, right? We're going to sing to Jesus. And as we do that, I, I believe that something very special is going to happen in your heart where the Lord begins to show you people that He wants to influence and impact through you. They may be on your field of faith, they may not be. But can we take a moment to catch the heartbeat of our Saviour who came and paid the price for the world. 
He wants His love to go beyond the four walls of this church. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.